Welcome to the Friends of Folklore, where two sisters tell tales from the briny depths of the ocean, the darkest caves hidden in misty mountains, and even mysteries hiding in your own backyard. Fear not, dear audience. Come inside, bundle up with a blanket, a cup of tea, and your favorite fuzzy animal, and you too can become a friend of folklore. to the friends of folklore it is i sydney the tallest of the sisters and i'm abby the smallest of the sisters and i'm not next to you and i'm sad about it i'm like legitimately upset (laughs) it's definitely gonna make editing easier for you because now you can just edit out every time i take a sip of my arizona iced tea but otherwise iced tea today i have it right here next to me how dare you, madam? How dare you drink tea? No, I think it'll be perfectly fine. I know, and I'm like such a mess. I've been moving all over the place. So I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. We gotta like, gotta find my <laughs> mic. Gotta find my laptop. Gotta record. I'm like a total mess. But how are you? I didn't even I'm... ask. You didn't even ask me how I was. I just decided to tell you. You just went for it. I- I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing well. Good. Um, I've been having a good couple of days. I've been writing a lot and uh, getting a lot done trying not to give in to, you know, the bummers that is the news. Mm-hmm. No, I totally understand that. Yeah. Are you excited for the exciting new things in your life? Yes, I am. I guess we'll just talk about it because this whole podcast is about me, so I don't understand Exactly. Just um, like no, our entire lives. That's our entire lives. No, I'm super excited. Um, me and my roommates got a new apartment. And right now, like my sweet, sweet roommates, I've never recorded in my actual apartment before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm doing that for the first time. (laughs) And they're so sweet. They're like, like creaking outside the door. They're like trying to figure out like movers and stuff like that. So we're in full swing, just like figuring everything out. And it's super exciting. And we're having a really, really great time. I can't wait to see like what recording is going to be like for us, like in that space. I'm just, I'm so pumped. So we're good. Um, it's been so nice and cool here. I think I here missed too. the worst part of it while being home, to be completely honest. And it's just awesome. Like, I'm over the moon excited. So it's so great. And it is awesome. you have something. What are we talking about today? Because I have n- no clue. We are talking about the curse of King Tut's tomb. Oh, dang. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> this is also called the curse of the pharaohs. Okay, cool. Okay, so is it, are you covering multiple pharaohs or just King Tut? Uh, Just King Tut, but I'm going to kind of talk about what the Curse of the Pharaohs is, because it's kind of like a whole thing. Oh, it's a whole, it's a whole shebang? It's a whole shebang, a whole kit and caboodle. So basically, the Curse of the Pharaohs is said to be a curse that befalls anyone who disturbs the tomb of an Egyptian mummy, particularly a pharaoh. Okay. The curse is said to cause anything from bad luck to illness and even death, and... Mm. While these curses likely began as a way to mostly just discourage tomb robbers, those who disturb these resting places for scholarly purposes, such as archaeologists, are not spared. Cool motive, still grave robbery. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, never mind. I feel like you're totally going to talk about Europeans when it comes to mummies, you right? You have no idea. Okay, cool. Then I will not step on your feet. Go ahead. <laughs> Our one French listener is going to hate me at the end of this. Going to hate you. <laughs> He's going to be, or they are going to be like, Bonjour. Um, Wait, I think bonjour means hello. What's goodbye? Wait, 
Adieu. Adieu. But that's not Adieu? as that's not as like slap you in the face as bonjour is. You know what I mean? I know. I feel like bonjour has a lot of power. Yeah, but that's definitely hello instead of goodbye. I don't know. If that's <laughs> He's gonna be like hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, so these curses may refer to actual inscriptions written on the tombs themselves or, and especially in the days before we knew how to read hieroglyphics, it was a way to explain the strange things that would happen to people who meddled with the final resting places of these people. So contrary to what Hollywood will tell you, the inscribed curse on a tomb is actually pretty uncommon. Um, in The Mummy, 1999 with Brendan Fraser, pictured here, (laughs) slide. Oh, hold on. I'm not even in that. You're not I'm even like looking at my audio. Oh my goodness! Why are you so unprepared. Why I fuck fine. It's only something we do every single week. <laughs> I'd have it down by now. The answer Sometimes is I twice don't. a week. Sometimes, um, yeah. So I was telling Julie earlier, um, mm-hmm. my roommate, about our nickname. Yeah. For Brendan Fraser. Would you like and to share that like, with the class? Yeah, I feel like I'd like to share that with the class. I'd like to take the time now. I have no earthly idea why this turned from Brendan Fraser to what it did. But Sydney and I were watching The Mummy. This was years ago. And years ago. And we just started going, like, we started, like, messing with his name. <laughs> and, like, just making it sound weird. And we went all the way from Brendan Fraser to MJ Smoothnickel. Yeah. I have no explanation for that. I think I was, like, holding a nickel in my hand. Like, I had a five-cent piece in my hand, and that's where I don't the nickel even think. part came from. No, I think that was purely my brain. I have no... There's no reason. We were sitting There's on the no couch. Reason. Yeah. No MJ rhyme, Smooth Nickel. No reason. So, MJ Smooth Nickel, what was he doing? Tell us um, more about The Mummy. So, in The Mummy, 1999, mm-hmm. with Brendan Fraser... There are several instances of curses or warnings literally being chiseled into things. Like the box in which Emotep's organs are kept, Emotep's sarcophagus, and even the Book of the Dead. But in real life, these warnings were very rare and were usually more along the lines of, like, if you mess with my graves, the god won't accept... Or, if you mess with my grave, the gods won't accept your offerings. Um, Oh, okay. So kind of like it's just like a... If you harm, if you mess with me, it's not really going to affect me, but it's just going to yeah. harm your future and like your way of getting into the other side or whatever the equivalent yeah, is. Yeah, like you knock that off, or the gods are going to, you know, be pissed with you. Rather mm-hmm. than like in the movie where it's like death will come on swift wings to whosoever opens this chest, which is a direct quote. Um, <laughs> I would love. Um, to did see... you watch? Did you watch all of these in preparation for today's episode? Just, you know, just be I... honest. I actually, it's actually more embarrassing than you think because I 100% meant to and I didn't. And that's how well I remember these movies. Oh, Sydney. Oh, God. Oh, no. That's, I feel like that's even worse. It's like, it is worse. (laughs) It's been like a year. (laughs) You movies that you can just recite, and these are one of them. And I just. (laughs) The other one is Shanghai Nights. You can only quote (laughs) the intro to Shanghai Nights. I would love to see what the hieroglyph for whosoever looks like. Yeah, the conjugation of that. <laughs> also, hieroglyph for whosoever. By the way, the wiki page for the mummy is called Rickopedia. Rickopedia? Yeah, because Brennan Fraser's character name is Rick O'Connell. 
Oh, that's that's stupid. <laughs> it's really bad. So um, this will not be the last time we talk about this film in this episode. I low-key thought this episode was just going to be about the mummy. It kind of is, in a way. Okay, cool. And that's um, fine. I mean... That's just my life, though. You know, I just... I love this movie way more than I should. Oh, no. You love it the perfect and correct amount. This movie is the best thing ever. I love Thank this movie. <laughs> we have a lot to get through. Okay, so oh, I'm going to okay. the first paragraph... So, uh, stories about cursed tombs go back as far as the 19th century, but none are so famous as the story of Howard Carter's excavation of King Tut's tomb. Go ahead and look at the next picture. Okay. Let's see, let's see. Oh, this is, like, legit. Oh, my God. So, you might recognize this photograph because it's on the wall next to Alex's bedroom at Mom's house. It's in his bedroom? It's next to his bedroom. Like, you know, that little hallway oh, that leads to his Oh, oh my god. That's, I was like, this looks painfully familiar. Yeah. Um, so, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So this is a picture of them opening the doors of his burial shrine. Um, the one on the floor, that's Howard Carter. He was kind of running the whole shindig. Then there is an Egyptian workman and a man named Arthur Kellender, who is the man standing most upright. He's important later. He's sort of the assistant to Howard. Okay, and Howard's the man with the mustache. Yes, the man with the, okay. the mustachioed man. Um, but before we get to that story, I feel like I should talk a little bit about something called Egyptomania. Please. So in 1798, Napoleon Bonaparte, go ahead and look at the next picture. You in, you included a photo of Napoleon for me? Look at him. <laughs> why, is this, why is he so sad? He's so relatable. <laughs> He's just like, I hate everything. Look, I'm never, I, I just don't think I ever thought that I would relate personally to Napoleon, but the fact that I do is... It's a little disconcerting. Wow. I felt the same way. I really wanted to, to share this misery. So he and his men traveled through Egypt and Syria, sowing discord and terror, all in the name of alleged scientific advancement. Of course, it didn't hurt that they were cutting off English access to India. Uh, it was not necessarily an unintentional side effect. Mm-hmm. Um, this excavation, as they called it, lasted three years, two months, and one day. And oh, it wow. was, yeah, and it was forced to end when of his original 13,000 men 1,500 went missing, 1,200 were killed in battle, and thousands more died one way or another of the bubonic plague. I'm really concerned about the number of missing people. Like, what is that? Like, they just couldn't find their bodies? No, probably more like they were deserters. Oh, oh, they ran away. Okay, that's different. Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't blame them when I tell you this next part, because when I say died one way or another of bubonic plague, I mean that many of the sick were poisoned by Napoleon so they could get the hell out of there faster. Uh, oh, so like he didn't want to waste resources on men who were already dying, so he poisoned them? Mm-hmm. Wow. I take back everything about being relatable to Napoleon. He's the worst. He sucks. That. <laughs> but that's not like news. There's this novel by Michelle Moran. I do this every time. I'm like, let me tell you about this book I read a long time ago. You're so um, It's called The Second Empress, and it's about um, his second wife. His first wife, he divorced because she couldn't give him a son. And so he married, um, I think her name is Mary Therese, and she was mm-hmm. a princess of Austria. And apparently we are, like, in some way descended from her. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, on mom's side. Um, but... The whole book is basically about what a dick Napoleon is. If you ever want to be really mad at a dead guy, definitely pick it up. You know what I like to do in my spare time? (laughs) 
I have plenty of live people to be mad at right now. I have now. plenty of live men to be angry with. I mean... Yeah. Live, bright orange men to just fucking... Oh. I was super confused. I was like, Sydney, I don't know anyone with bright orange hair. <laughs> You're like, what What Weasley pissed you off this week? <laughs> what, Weasley harm, what Weasley harmed you? Jesus. <laughs> the answer? Percy. Anyway. Uh, every time. Okay, so... Every time. Despite the fact that this expedition was, in my humble opinion, um, a false front for warfare and colonialism, as many expeditions are, incredible mm-hmm. discoveries were actually made, including the Rosetta Stone. Go ahead and take the next picture. Oh my gosh. Wait, this is where they found the Rosetta Stone? I had literally no idea. Man, yeah. I don't know shit about history. This, this is, they actually, he actually found the Rosetta Stone on his travels. And if you don't know what that is, basically it was this giant hunk of stone. I'm going to include it on our, our uh, social media. Mm-hmm. And it had these huge passages written in um, Egyptian hieroglyphics, ancient Greek, and I am not sure about the third language. I meant to look and I forgot to. I will check. But basically, we were able to take the other two languages, which we had some understanding of, and use them to basically translate the hieroglyphs. Because mm-hmm. they all said the same thing. Um, apparently, it's Demotic. Okay. Oh, cool. it's Egyptian. I'm sorry. So it's Egyptian and Greek and then right. hieroglyphics. Yeah, yeah. So, so this one says hieroglyphic, demotic, and Greek. Okay, I'm not sure what demotic is. Google I'll says. Go Google. Appreciate <laughs> Go you. Google. Before Google, we just had to be wrong. Um, <laughs> so yeah, basically, this gave us our first understanding of Egyptian hieroglyphs and effectively created the field of Egyptology overnight. Um, oh, that's so cool. Europeans immediately flocked to Egypt to take part. And it's really important to know that most archaeologists at that time were amateurs. They were mm-hmm. diplomats and wealthy tourists who brought home shiny curiosities. And these trinkets may have sparked European interest, but without any proper archaeological study, they didn't do much to provide an understanding of the cultures where they originated. Damn you, Europeans. So much of the work done in uncovering Egyptian tombs and artifacts had not been done by scientists, but by these wealthy enthusiasts. Um, Egyptomania swept the world after Napoleon's campaign, and with it, countless discoveries may have been robbed from humanity by aristocrats and their greed for collecting, quote, conversation starters, such as the mummified corpse of an Egyptian pharaoh, or maybe the only surviving tablet upon which his name was inscribed. Um, Are you kidding? So they just went there. There was, I mean, I understand that it's like archaeological excavations are very different now. Oh, very different. People just rolled up, grabbed a cool looking rock with some inscriptions on it, and left. Yeah, basically, you, you know. It sounds about white. I'm out such white people. So, like, Moneybags McQuack shows up breaks open a tomb and is like, hey, look at all this cool shit, including this mummy. I'm taking this home and putting it in my house. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so for all that we have, all that we can see in like museums and all that people have, you know, discovered and documented, imagine how much has been destroyed. That's heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah. Imagine what we have lost in poorly documented and poorly performed excavations and botched dissections. Egyptian artifacts would be found and just like thrown into boxes with no concept of cataloging organization. And oftentimes they'd be gifted away. Like, you know, a pretty girl would come to the site and they'd be like, here, take this fucking like 
ritual necklace. We don't know what it is, but it's pretty and you're hot and you might sleep with me. So take it. Like that's literally in the late 1800s what we're working with. Some things don't change. Oh, Some things God. don't change. That is Again. so insane. <laughs> cool motive. Still grave robbing. Still grave um, robbing. Yeah. Sounds cool. Still grave robbing. Exactly. It gets worse. So oh, yeah. archaeological tourism was running rampant. Rampant. Mm-hmm. Um, And as recently as the last century, like early 1900s, the wealthy would gather for, quote, unwrapping parties. Tell me more. Tell me more. (laughs) Go ahead and look at the next photo. Mild trigger warning. I don't wanna. Oh. Oh. No. Yes. 100%. So basically, (sighs) these, these people would buy or extract themselves a mummy and take it home and have, like, a cocktail party where they took the mummy apart and, like, removed its funeral wrappings and, like... No. Yeah, basically for the entertainment of rich partygoers. These are humans. Is... Uh, okay, is this where they, they did the nom nom on them? I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm okay. actually about to. Oh, so, oh my gosh. I... I... Ooh. Okay, so basically audience what this is is this is like one two three four five six seven dudes all in hats and (laughs) there's just it's a mummy on the table and the only thing that's left that's wrapped is like the arms yeah like they pulled its chest cavity apart oh my gosh this is heartbreaking it's and this is a human this is a part just because it was interesting because Because it was interesting the process I guess. I don't know what they were trying to do. I think it was just, like, a like a fad. This is ridiculous. I mean, part of me is, like, okay, you need to understand, like, d- did this help progress the understanding of, like, Egyptian burial methods? I forget. You know, even the, if I forget it... The a mummification. The Thank you. I guess, I guess it's just literally, is it just literally mummification where they take I believe out so. the organs? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, embalming. That's what embalming. I'm Embalming. You know, so, even if it did... Even if it did, like, how do you justify, like, thousands of people doing this? It just seems like too much. I just... It's just, it's so disrespectful. It made me so mad. And it does, in fact, get worse. Okay. Um, Do you know what mummia is? No. (laughs) So this was... (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. This was basically the practice of... You would take a mummy and you would reduce that mummy to powder. And that powder would be administered as medicine. Oh, I thought you were going to say that they were going to snort it. <laughs> I mean, effectively. <laughs> Go ahead and look at the next slide. That's better, but not much. No. No, ma'am. Yeah. So... It's better, but not by a lot. I thought they were going to snort it like a drug. Okay. <laughs> snort it like cocaine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't okay. know. So they thought this was like a cure-all for whatever ailed you. And this practice actually started as early as the 12th century. Um, and in the 16th century, Egypt banned, banned, banned the shipment of mummia to Europe. And the apothecaries made do by selling fake mummia made from embalming and dissecting fresh corpses. Oh, but still human? They didn't like, they didn't like Sweeney Todd it and use cats? I think they were Sweeney Toddying it, but like after the cats. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, well, that's what, I mean, that's what they did in Sweeney Todd, no? Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, that's, you're, remem- you're not remembering the worst part of Sweeney Todd right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so, event, 
Eventually, mumia was proven ineffective as it was a mistranslation from an entirely different medical substance called bitumen, um, which is like a, it's like a resin, I think. But don't worry, Abby. The remains of these poor people were still desecrated by artists as recently as the 19th century who used ground up mummies to make an oil paint color referred to as mummy brown. (laughs) Tag yourselves a mummy brown. Uh, what? No. Wait, I know. What? I know. Yeah, so basically they'd ground up the mummies and would use them into paint. Is that not just the paint. color of decomp? Like, deco- I guess. decomposition brown? I guess. I'm like, don't you have mud? I don't I, know how paint works, but I feel like this is not it. I feel like it's not worth it. I feel like Mm-mm. it's not worth it. There's well, certain things, like, I understand that, like, we use different plants and different things like that to achieve different paint colors, but don't use people. I think we use some bugs. I don't know. Look, when I said that I wanted you to put yourself into your art, this is not what I meant. God damn it. Okay, so... The point that I'm trying to make is that while there are scientific theories that could explain the causes of these curses, such as like radiation or bacteria or hysteria, if there is in fact a curse, some of these people definitely deserve to be fallen victim to it. Mm -hmm. I will credit though, I'm going to preface this, that the excavators of King Tut's tomb were definitely more careful. Okay, but like not much. I mean, we'll get there, but as I said at the top, the curse doesn't care what your motives are. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so that brings us to King Tutankhamun, um, a.k.a. King Tut. Go ahead and look at the next picture. This is his sarcophagus. So pretty. Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah, Mm -hmm. so um, he was the last member of his family to rule during the 18th dynasty in ancient Egypt. Um, his father was most likely the pharaoh Akhenaten, who was widely considered to be a heretic for worshipping Aten, which is the sun itself, rather than Amun, which is the god of the sun. Okay, understand. Um, I have a quick question about his sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. Does it look like this still? Because I understand with certain sarcophagus deterioration, and I'm sure you'll get into, like, the rating of, well, I mean, you already have, like, the mm-hmm. rating of tombs people would break off. Yeah, like, I will get there to that. Gold. Like, okay, cool. Is it, does uh, it still I look believe, like this or no? So I, I believe this is actually a picture of where it is um, on expedition. Exposition. Expo, help me. Um, exhibition. Display? Right now. <laughs> um, I believe that it okay. is still in this case. And actually we'll get to it. But this tomb was almost completely sealed. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, good, it's, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yes it's, no. you know, it's so complicated because colonialism and um, it's awful. It's like... It, you know, and I and I, I love museums, and I feel like I'm, like, at a heartbreaking, like, I'm between, like, a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Because, like, I, I want these things to be documented, and I want people to learn, and, like, stuff and like wanna that. I want to know about them, like, and I want to see them, but also they are not ours. They're not, and that's, I mean, I guess that's just something I have to deal with, but that's... It's kind of like how my two great loves are books and trees, and you cannot have books without killing trees. I know. <laughs> it's a big problem for me. But then you get, like, tattooed trees. Hear me yeah, out. and they're so hardcore. They're as hard, that's as it's hardcore so as hardcore. peaches. What, like the plant? Like the, like the fruit? They have, um, they have pits. It's hardcore. <sighs> Thank you for being a friend of folklore. Goodbye. No, I'm kidding. 
So Abby is now taking applications for my replacement. (laughs) I'm not taking applications for another sister. No, please. You're the only person (laughs) I like. I don't want to. I know. Same. So anyway, back to Akhenaten. He was most likely King Tut's father. Um, And this guy is actually pretty crazy. One of his consorts was a very famous Nefertiti. Oh, yeah. Though she is not King Tut's mother, as was once assumed. King Tut's mother... So it's actually really interesting because Akhenaten was not buried in the same tomb as King Tut, and neither was um, King Tut's mother. But with like DNA, they've been able to discover like this pharaoh or this pharaoh, this mummy who was likely Akhenaten is definitely the father of this pharaoh who is King Tut. And they were also able to find there's this mummy, and she's she's referred to as the younger lady. And I fell down a rabbit hole with her. She is fascinating. So they found her. In this tomb, this is, I'm completely straying off my notes now, guys. Um, they <laughs> found her, <laughs> they found her in this tomb and her jaw is like gone. And her chest is like caved in and one of her arms has been pulled off. Kind of like you said, people would just tear shit apart when they'd rob tombs. Mm-hmm. And um, it turns out she was like 25 years old when she died. And she was actually Akhenaten's sister. It was a thing. You uh, Pharaohs often married their siblings. And she was probably killed either that her jaw was taken. Her jaw was the cause of death. And she was either killed in, they speculate, a chariot accident. Or she was struck in the face with an axe. It's oh, so... Dude, I literally was, like, sitting here until, like, way after dark just scrolling, like, oh my oh god, my it's gosh. so interesting. That's so intense. Yeah. I mean, so. the idea of a chariot accident so bad that your jaw is just gone. Dude, the, horses I, I mean, will wreck your life. Why do you think I fucking hate them? Sydney, we all know that you're not a horse girl. Safe space. <laughs> that literally was unrelated. <laughs> um... I know, I'm sorry. That actually was unrelated. I didn't even think about that. No, I know, but that's still, that's insane. It's, Um, that's insane. Okay, so this, so she was... She was a consort, probably, of um, Akhenaten. So the way, and again, I know this from Michelle Moran novels, and if you want to read a novel, (laughs) there's a trilogy, and it's Nefertiti, the heretic queen, and Cleopatra's daughter, and they're really solid. Oh, I remember you reading those. They're so that. good. Yeah, Milton, but I had a huge Michelle Moran phase, like, at the end of high school, beginning of college. She has a lot you of really great it. historical fictions. Nefertiti was probably his, like, main wife, which was pretty common. You'd have, like, a chief wife or, like, a queen. Um, but you had many other wives as a pharaoh. And so this younger lady was not Nefertiti, was not the chief wife, but she bore a son, and he was probably the only son of all of the children that Akhenaten had. Okay. So he ascended to the throne, and he actually ascended when he was maybe eight or nine years old. Really? That's yeah, really he was, young. He was really young, and he was married immediately to his half-sister. Um, I believe her name is actually Anuksanamun. What? You remember in um, The Mummy how um, Imhotep's girlfriend's name is Anuksanamun? Oh, I just couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's... Like, Ank Esan Amun. Ank Esan Amun. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were half-siblings, and they had mm-hmm. two infant daughters who didn't survive. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Um, King Tut only lived to be about 19, 
and he only reigned for about a decade, but he did manage to accomplish some things. Um, for one thing, he restored the Egyptian religion that his father had dissolved, empowered mm-hmm. some priestly orders, instated Thebes as the capital. A good reign, I assume. I don't know how people felt about him, but mm-hmm. he did some things. And he likely died at such a young age due to some, due to some health problems. Um, he also had physical conditions such as scoliosis and malaria. Though, oh, wow. Okay. I did see one theory that he was killed by a hippopotamus. Those things will fuck you up, man. Dude, hippopotamuses... Hippopotami? Hippopotamus? Do you know that word, hippopotamus, is like ancient Greek for big-ass horse? (laughs) I'm serious. (laughs) I think we need to reevaluate how often we talk about hippos on this podcast. That's hysterical, and I did not know that. Oh my god, I forgot we talked about hippos last. I was like, what are you talking about? We never... And then I remembered. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about hippos. Okay, that... I mean, it's probably a disease. And then... I, don't, I, mean, I love the like idea, severe, though. I know. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Doesn't he have, like, severe scoliosis? Like, wasn't it really bad? It was really bad. Like, um, there, are, there have been, like, reconstructions of his face and his body. And one of his feet was so, like, um, askance that he had to walk with a cane. Um, wow. Yeah, he, and he, you know, this is, like, a lot of people marrying their sisters and having children with mm-hmm. them, so he was a little bit deformed of the face as well. Oh, okay, just because, like, the chromosome, a chromosome issue, that makes sense. That makes total Yeah, it makes sense, that's yeah. With, I mean, there's issues with incest, but that's one of the big ones. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and it's, it's not, um, I remember learning about, like, in a science class, like, genetics, Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, still don't do it. It's weird. If you marry your brother and have a child with your brother, it's only like a 3% increase that there will be like defects. But the more you do it, it like doubles or triples every time. Well, I was going to say it's just 3% to begin with, but this is generations. I mean, oh, this yeah. Is and this is like the 18th century. Like we've been, or mm-hmm. the 18th dynasty. We've been doing this a while. I was going to say, this is not the 18th century. No, but, no exactly. <laughs> Ancient like times. This... This is this is normal. So it makes yeah. sense that he had physical abnormalities and yeah, he had issues um, and like diseases or st- and stuff like that. That makes total well, sense. Also, like we didn't have you know treatments for malaria Mm-mm. or scoliosis or anything like that. Um. So back to the excavation of his tomb in yes. 1922, Carter and his team opened the tomb of King Tut. Um. The tomb was found in the Valley of Kings, which was named for a number of royal tombs that were found in that area. I don't know how many exactly, but nearly 500 years worth of pharaohs and powerful, powerful nobles were buried there. Wow. Um, by the time that archaeologists, air quote as necessary, um, found them, most of them had already been opened and robbed long before, you know, anyone else was able to get a hold of them. But mm-hmm. King Tut's tomb was special. It had okay. been hidden beneath some other ruins, and it had only been robbed twice, but like way like back in antiquity. Oh, okay, like, back, like, right after he died? Like, probably while they were still building the tomb, one source I saw said. Um, so a lot of artifacts were still sealed inside. And there was so much inside, um, Carter was super careful with his cataloging, and it actually took, like, eight years to completely empty this tomb. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the tomb was first opened, a famous Egyptologist named James Henry Breasted uh, reported that Carter sent a messenger back to his house. When the messenger arrived, he found a cobra inside Carter's pet canary's cage with the canary itself in the cobra's mouth. (laughs) 
Cobras, it should be noted, were actually a symbol of the Egyptian monarchy. Oh, this I did not know. Yeah, so shortly after this absolutely fucking metal portent of doom, the curse mm-hmm. began to make itself known. Clearly. So the first and probably most famous person to die was Lord Carnarvon. Carnarvon. Mm-hmm. Carnarvon. Next picture. Here he is. Oh, yes. Reading a book. Oh, what a dapper. That's a hat. That's a hat, right? That's a choice. That is a hat. Mm-hmm. So his full name was George Edward Stanhope Melanou Herbert, 5th Earl of Carnarvon. Um, and he was Me the. Too. Yeah, right. He was the financial backer for the excavation. Um, okay. So the Lord was an amateur Egyptologist, as I mentioned in my rant above. And mm-hmm. he and his wife often wintered in Egypt. Um, sure. I think we should pass a law that if you use winter as a verb, you have too much fucking money. Yeah, I winter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, we summer. We summer in Barbados and we winter in Cairo. No, fuck you. Give to charity. I winter where I summer and where I spring and where I fall. <laughs> I fall a lot. <laughs> I fall a lot. <laughs> So, Lord and Lady Carnarvon, I'm going to, like, it's a very hard word to pronounce. It's C-A-R-N-A-R-V-O-N. Carnarvon. Yeah, that's what I would say. Okay, I'm just going to go for it. Um, What's just wrong with it? (laughs) So, they had a lot of fucking money. And uh, they spent a lot of that money on antiquities for their personal collection back in England. Again, because they're assholes. Mm-hmm. He was not present when the tomb was found, but Carter sent him um, a telegram and was like, dude, you gotta get here. You will not believe what I just found under these like these ruins of these huts. And so Carnarvon and his daughter, Lady Evelyn Herbert, hurried over to Egypt. Um, oh, fun familiar, fact. Familiar huh? name. That sounds familiar. It actually should, because uh, fun fact, in the original script of The Mummy, 1999, Evelyn's <laughs> character was supposed to be the literal Evelyn Herbert. Um, so go ahead and look at the next picture. Oh, look at that. I should have just waited. Yep. That's really cool. <laughs> Evelyn V. Evelyn. Wow. Why is that a hard word? So oh, Evelyn so cool. in The Mummy, played by the beautiful Rachel Wise, her character's name is Evelyn Carnahan. Okay. So in the in the original script, she and her brother were supposed to pay the, play the children of the, quote, cursed Lord Carnarvon. Um, mm-hmm. And the only trace left is that line where Evelyn tells Rick O'Connell that her father was a very famous explorer. Oh, that makes sense. <sighs> I just love that movie so much. You know what's my I favorite know you part? Do. You know what's my it's... favorite part? Is the part my where... Favorite... <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, you go ahead. My favorite part is the part where they have to jump off the boat because it's on fire. And Benny is like, hey, O'Connell, looks like I got all the horses. And then Brendan Fraser's like, hey, Benny, looks like you're on the wrong side of the river. It's my favorite thing ever to happen. (laughs) (laughs) What were you going to say? What's your favorite part Um, of that movie? I had, I was just going to mention that The Mummy is like a bisexual dream. I know. Of a movie, but I, I, I had homework, audience. I had homework to watch this, but I've had quite a week. So yeah, I know. I, I already knew you it. weren't going to. And I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing. We've watched it together so many times. You know, I just, I, no I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to grow up to be Evie and be like a librarian who like knew all these cool dead languages, but I just grew up to be Jonathan. 
I know. We're all Jonathan, honestly. Te- like, Just honestly. A bisexual disaster who hangs out with skeletons. That's us. That That's is. Us. That should be our slogan for the podcast. You know, bisexual like- disasters who hang out with skeletons. <laughs> You know, I just, I feel like this is now a The Mummy 1999 with Brendan Fraser podcast, so. Oh, it always has been. It's, it's been, it's been deep buried, and let's say that we excavated it, but no, it's always been <laughs> a little archaeological humor, if you will. Uh, no, it always has been. It always has been. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, but if you know, you know, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you know, you know. Um, also, <laughs> another fun fact you just remind me of, the word fossil. Okay means to dig around in the dirt in like latin (laughs) anyway um so the tomb was found on november 22nd and was meant to be officially opened on november 29th under the supervision of the egyptian department of antiquities um however on the 26th and the 27th lord carnarvon his daughter evelyn carter and carter's assistant arthur calendar who was in the Mm -hmm. picture before made several unauthorized visits to the tomb. Plot twist. During one of these visits, Carter made a small breach in the tomb's doorway. Um, And I'm not sure if this happened immediately after, but the party then kind of just like found a way to get into the tomb and even crawled through a small hole into the inner burial chamber. Oh my God. So they were the first people in modern times to enter this tomb. Go ahead and look at the next picture. That's, oh wow. And then look at them. Is that them in a news article? Yeah, so that's that's Lady Evelyn, her father, and I'm not sure which one is Carter and which one is Calendar, but Carter and Calendar at the tomb's I think, entrance. I think if it's the guy from the first photo, I think he's on the right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, oh, so Sydney, it, it's done in it's done in um, it's done in order. The one on the far so there's a there's a oh there's a there's a from right to left. There's a from right to left. It's Evelyn. Lord Carnarvon, Howard Carter, and B.E. Calendar. Also, his name is Arthur, so who the fuck is B.E. Calendar? Mm. Arthur. Anyway, Arthur. Um, so Carnarvon entered the tomb at the end of November, and by April, he was dead. In March, a mosquito bit him on his face, and the bite later became infected when he accidentally nicked it while shaving. Um, on the 5th of April, he died by blood poisoning and pneumonia, both caused by the mosquito bite. Two weeks later, a woman named Marie Corelli wrote a letter to a publication called The New York World, which claimed that the death was the result of a curse, quoting an obscure book about the dire punishments associated with entering a sealed tomb. The uh, press immediately leapt on this and started talking about the curse of Tutankhamun. And um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who you remember as the guy who only makes shit worse in the Cottingly Fairy episode... Mm-hmm. immediately chimed in to do the same thing here. Why wouldn't he? Honestly, I'm surprised he hadn't shown up yet. Like, honestly, yeah, that makes sense. Where were you this whole time? I'm surprised um, he wasn't there from the beginning. He claimed... Yeah, he's also crawling through the hole. Um, he claimed that Carnarvon had been killed by, quote, elementals that he believed had been conjured by King Tut's priests and were left to guard the tomb. No evidence. Sure. I mean... Just went for it. I don't even know what I that mean. means. I don't even know. Honestly, same. Like, <laughs> So, Carter dismissed all claims of a supernatural element in his lordship's death and would continue to deny all claims of a curse in general. Um, mm-hmm. doc- a Dr. Derry was the first person to perform an autopsy on the mummy of King Tut 
actually noticed a healed lesion on the left, left cheek of the pharaoh. And some speculated that the scar in the mummy corresponded with the cut that eventually killed Lord Cavernon. Oh, wow. But he was already buried, so it was impossible to know for sure. Well, I mean, we could have opened it, but then... He might have been zooming a grave being like, let's see if he's got a cut in the same face as this mummy. I mean, I mean, if we're already grave robbing, what's you another? Know, you what's know? another? No, babe. <laughs> babe. Uh, kiddo. Yes. He, <laughs> he was a white man. Mm, so we left him alone. We can't take the white man. That's what you're saying? That's mm. exactly what I'm saying. Don't you know a that? white man? <laughs> what did the security do about it? Nothing. Typical! Typical! <laughs> I actually rewatched that season of, that's the last season of New Girl, ladies and gentlemen. I've never finished New Girl. No, I'm rewatching it. I never finished it, so I need to Um, The last season is a little disappointing. Nothing is worse than the last episode of How I Met Your Mother. Nothing is worse than the last few episodes of Game of Thrones. No. I And I enjoyed the end. Of, at the end of Game of Thrones, I was crying and I was happy and I felt... I mean, we got there, but it was a little rough. At the end of How I Met Your Mother, I was like, why did I waste nine seasons? Like, it was a waste of nine seasons. You watched that show a lot, though. I know. I, I, well, like, every time... I think, like, every time I went through, like, heartbreak in, like, high school, I would, like, watch the entire of the series, and Mom would be like, please stop doing this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to this day, she won't watch it. I don't... Well, no, I don't, I don't watch it anymore, either. I think I've, like, tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like I got a lot of boyfriends in high school. I did not. Um, <laughs> okay, T-Swift. Okay, T-Swift. Let's go. Um, so while Lord Carnarvon was the most popular potential victim of the curse, there were a few other incidents of misfortune directly related to the opening of the tomb. Mm-hmm. So a this is really disgusting. A paperweight that was crafted from a mummified hand was gifted to a friend of Howard Carter named Sir Bruce Ingram. Uh, for the love of gosh, why? No, I'm sorry. That's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's like get, get a rock. It, it's called resin. It's everywhere. I can't. Okay, a rock. <laughs> That's even more everywhere. So where the hell was I? Um, you oh. pit mummy Sir and Bru- paperweight. <laughs> Allegedly, there was a bracelet on the wrist that said, "Cursed be he who moves my body. To him shall come fire, water, and pestilence." Um, put that on my gravestone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not long after receiving the most disgust, disgusting gift not delivered by a house cat, um, Ingram's house burned down and then flooded shortly after being rebuilt. <laughs> sank to a swamp. So, I built a second one. That one sank to a swamp. I built a third one. That one burned down, fell over, and then sank into the swamp. And the fourth one stayed up. I can't. <laughs> so George J. Gould the first, who was a visitor of the tomb, died from a fever in early 1923, like pretty shortly after his visit. A. C. Mace, a member of the original excavation team, died of arsenic poisoning in 1928. A little late, you know, this is 22. Yeah, it's a while but later, still. but all right. Captain the Honorable Richard Bethel, who worked as a secretary to Carter, died in 1929, and foul play was suspected. And Howard Carter himself, the head honcho, the big cheese, died in 1939, way, way later. (laughs) (laughs) Though many still claim his death was attributed to the curse, 
for some reason. Because he was there. He wanted to be included, honestly. I feel like that's the main reason. I think it's just mostly because, like, everyone was waiting for him to die, like, some horrible death. And he did die because he was an old man. And everyone was like, the curse, I swear it. If it hadn't been that curse, he would have been alive forever. I mean, Uh, same. So, um, archaeology today is very different. And I sincerely hope more respectful Despite this, modern archaeologists still often report strange experiences while on digs. Mm-hmm. Archaeologist, Egyptologist, and former Minister of State for Antiquities, Antiquities Affairs, Zahi Hawass. He is this adorable gentleman. Oh my god, he's so- I already scrolled. He's so cute. I know. He's so cute. I think- okay, he's not gonna listen to this for a while because he's way behind. I think that's what Ian's gonna look like as an old man. I can see it. Yeah, I see like- it. The yeah, nose sure. and the brows. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the mm-hmm, brows. Mm-hmm. The brows the brows especially. Yeah, yeah. He's adorable. I love this man. He's adorable. Um, I don't know if he, like, you know, I don't know anything about him other than he's an archaeologist, so hopefully he's a cool guy. And that he's not, like, you know, a horrible person the worst. that I loved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone tweet me if he's canceled. So he tells the story of when he was on a dig very early in his career in Kam Abu Bilo. Um, okay. He was tasked with the transportation of several artifacts, and on that day, his cousin died. On the one-year anniversary, his uncle died, and on the second-year anniversary, his aunt died. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So, That's... <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Uh, he tells another story of when he found the tomb of some of the builders of the pyramids at Giza. A curse was actually written on this tomb that read, quote, All people who enter this tomb who will make evil against this tomb and destroy it. May the crocodile be against them in water and the snakes against them on land. May the hippopotamus be against them in water and the scorpion on land. And he was like, this curse is probably not real, but uh, I'm going to take a couple steps back and left them alone. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like at that point you're like, I have lost some things. Yeah, I'm he's like, saying. you know. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and in one other instance, he was relocating the mummies of two children from the, I learned how to look up, how to pronounce all this, and we ended up recording this a week later. The Baharia oh Oasis. Okay. Baharia, I think so. Oasis. Um, as he was transporting the two mummies of the children, he said that they were haunting him in his dreams. And it wasn't until the mummies were reunited with the mummy of their father in the museum that the dream stopped. So when they put all the mummies, like, back together again, he yeah. was able to sleep? Yeah, they stopped, oh, like, that's... showing up in his dreams. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That, no. The answer is no. Oh my the God. answer like, is no. The answer um, is no. Um, yeah. Holy shoot. I, I'm here for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that is that is the tale of the curse of the pharaohs. Oh my gosh, that was the coolest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. There goes all of my dreams. I know. Being an archaeologist. Oh my god. You know, god. I really no wanted to be one when I was a kid, but I'm so... Guys, you. I don't think many of you have ever seen me before, unless we know each other personally, which is most of you. Um, I'm very pale, and being an archaeologist requires a lot of time in the sun, and I just mm-hmm. didn't know if I could do it, you know? You're... You're so pale, and I just... So pale. You've burned through shirts. Like, I just... <laughs> Do you remember when um, we went to Aruba, and I was wearing SPF 100, and I still... And you had burn. a swim shirt on? Because we were so That was so the close. next yeah. day. 
So I had to put a swim shirt on the next day because the the sunscreen didn't work. Didn't work. Yeah, Angel, maybe indoor indoor jobs are for Let you. Just, I'll be an indoor archaeologist. Like when I was going to yeah, be... Yeah, it'll work. It'll like be when fun. I was going to be a horse trainer from afar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Again, no. Again, can't stress this enough. Oh, no. Oh, no, what? I was going to be a horse trainer from afar. Yeah, I know, when you were like three. Was I a horse girl? Sydney, we can't keep doing this. <laughs> Next week's episode of Sydney's Horse Girl Existential Crisis. Honestly, we're going to have to do a poll. Yeah, right. Is Sydney a horse girl? girl? <laughs> Please, can we? I have no idea how to do that. You'll have to do it because I don't god. understand science or social poll. media. You got that. Oh my god, you're my favorite human on this planet. Okay, <laughs> that was a great story and I loved it. Holy oh, I'm crap. So glad. No, it was so much fun to like... I literally just kept going down a Wikipedia rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Like when you click on the link in the paragraph and then you click on a link in that paragraph and you just and don't ever stop. Stop. No. And it becomes your whole world. I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. Okay. Your girl has got to make some dinner. So Sydney, where can they find us? They can find us on all social media by searching the Friends of Folklore or looking up our handle, Friends of Folklo. That is Friends of Folklore without the R-E. And if you would, please, 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 please send us your ghost stories or if you want to send us some corrections or just some thoughts or recipes or memories or if you want to yell at us, direct those to Abby. All is welcome. No, I'm <laughs> Put Abby's name in the subject bar. There you go. Um, email us at thefriendsoffolklore at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, and um, please rate, review, subscribe. subscribe. We hit a thousand listens this past week. So yay, yay, yay. Thank you so much. It's been so awesome. Just we really appreciate you guys listening and sharing and we really, really appreciate the support and especially with like yeah. the craziness that is my life right now. <laughs> um, this podcast, you know, I mean, otherwise means the world to me, but it absolutely means the world to me. And we're so happy to have you here. Seriously. And I'm going to go make French fries. Sounds great. Oh, wait, Abby, is this okay. episode 20? Yeah. No, bro. This is episode like 22. Oh, never mind. Hold on. Right. Wait. Wait. <laughs> wait. No. Hold on. Hold on. I think I, I, think I might be right. This is episode 22. No, it's not. Hold on. Episode 20 was Tag Yourself, I'm Angry Spice. Really? And then episode 21 was Eminem Fun Facts. Well, never mind. (laughs) We talked about it. Well, when it was episode 20, we talked about how excited we were. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure we're, like, marking our milestones because this is really cool and I love doing this and I want to do it forever. Yes. And on that note, bye bye Wait, thank you for being a friend of folklore. Shit. Thank you. We've only done this 22 times, Abby. I know. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.